Welcome to another episode of Market Overdrive. How's it going? It's like return of the Mac. I'm back. <laughs> Where did you go? It was so devastating to everybody. You didn't notice I was gone. I went to Honduras and we had a hate. I don't know. I was gone. Were you we crying? missed you. Thank you. We absolutely missed you. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, Carla. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, Carla. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day to everybody. Kind of belated, but we were off all the air. How's it going? How's the market? I'm good. Busy. I'm actually so busy. I'm tired right now. I'm here. Yeah. Where's your energy level? You're bringing me down. I I just feel like I stare at things all day long on a computer screen. So I'm like, I don't even, it's nice to be out of the office though. It's cool. See? Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. And that's what we do as realtors. We're outside in the field, actually in the trenches working, sending you guys deals so that you can sit in the office and do absolutely nothing. (laughs) Relevating some real estate IQ on everybody. That's what we're doing. (laughs) How are you, Joel? Here's some energy for you. Hey, guys. Carlo, we're glad you're back. What you did, too, was you brought the good weather back to Chicago from the south. Nice work. (laughs) How lovely is he? Isn't he so nice? There's a change of, like, you know, just... The Energy feeling of dynamic. love. Not, your vibe is just so there's negative the angel, right now. the devil. I see, how, <laughs> I, I see where this is going. That's totally cool. I'm fine with the Joe. Your like, horns are coming out. But can we go ahead and, in, yeah. and introduce our guest today? So on WGN Market Overdrive for 2019, we continue to talk about ways that you can grow and elevate your real estate IQ. So I was so excited to have Danny Lewis on the show today. Danny's made some big changes. And one of the things that we want to talk about today with Danny is how you can be a really responsive real estate agent. So if you're a buyer out there and you're looking to kind of figure out who's going to be the best person for you, he's going to have a lot of tips and techniques to go through to make sure that as a buyer or a seller, you're picking the right person. So Danny, uh, introduce yourself. Tell us where you're at now and tell us a little bit about uh, what you've been doing in 2019. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for having me first and foremost, guys. It's a great show and I've always watched it from afar, but it's great to be actually a part of it now. Wait, can I interrupt? Who's your favorite host, Nick or Carla? Oh, man, you can't ask me that at the first question, Carla. You, I have to. I like Krakow. Krakow's probably my favorite. <laughs> what? This, by the way, this, this question usually blows up in her face. So don't even bother. Every single she's time. She's always lost on it. But go ahead, Dan. No, you guys are all my favorites, each one of you. But uh, no, I'm coming from uh, Dreamtown Realty. I've been there for about a month now. Before that, was at Exit Strategy Realty for four years. Been in real estate about nine years myself. Have a team of about 12 licensed brokers. Um, which I mentor and help. And today I'm going to talk about uh, what you should be looking for in your realtor. You want someone who's responsive, someone who's going to get back to you ASAP. And as I'm sure Carla could tell you, that's pretty much step one to being a realtor is making sure that you understand your client's needs and you get to them as quickly as possible. I love that you say that. What you're doing here is actually not trying to sell people on something. You're actually, real estate sells itself, right? Exactly. And if you can actually be the conduit, somebody that could be there quickly to answer questions, you were telling me before we walked in, when you, when you first buy a place, you really just need a friend, somebody that can actually help you. Tell the audience a little bit more about how you go about it when somebody calls you maybe for the first time and they haven't bought anything ever. Gotcha. How do you how do you walk them through it? So the first thing I do, and I'm sure this is what hopefully most realtors do, is I put myself in their position. And that's what I do for pretty much everything. I mean, personally, I'm a very skeptical person. It's really hard to sell me on something. I have to see it for myself. Sure. So I put myself in their position. I'm the same way if I was them. I would want to know who I'm speaking with. I'd want to know, you know what their reputation 
reputation is, what their resume looks like. I would ask specific questions, um, but mostly, you know, I would want the respect of not being trying to be sold. And I think that's really important with my clients. I think they do appreciate that too. Um, you know, when I was before I was in real estate, I should say, if you asked me how the real estate process worked, I'd have no clue. And now that I am in real estate for a while, I remember what it's been like in those positions. So I put myself in their position and I try to direct them as much as possible of where they should go, what they should be looking for and what they should be asking. Danny, I love that you say that because I think that the culture of real estate has gone from a transactional culture to more of a customer service culture where responsiveness is very important. And of course, everybody said, right, these third party websites were going to take over the industry and their clients weren't even going to need the help of a realtor. But I love that as an industry we're moving towards that you know how can we assist you how can we help you how can we make this a more pleasant experience for you exactly like the uberization of real estate made it so people think they could do it themselves for the most part but when you have a professional someone who's been doing it for a long time someone who deals with these transactions every day that's something you can't put a value on and that's something that i think that today's customers are just starting to realize Let's get to some real talk. So what are you seeing as far as market trends? What's the market pulse out there? So it is starting to heat up, and I think a lot of it has to do with the weather. Um, you know, it's been a really junky spring so far. So I think the fact that the, the sun is starting to come out is helping uh, people get outside of their doors and see places. <laughs> That's right. But overall, I would say it's a buyer's market right now, um, more than ever. Uh, the, the rates are still low, as I'm sure these guys can tell you. And um, there's a lot of options, believe it or not. Um, I got oh, to jump in. Yeah. Buyer's market more. It wasn't. The, it was a buyer's market. It was more than ever that yes. like perked my ears up because I, you know, I told you I've been feeling a little bit slow today. But you, mm-hmm. you just got me a there wide you go. awake. Woke you up. Everybody <laughs> and their mother, including mine, um, <laughs> claims that it's. Well, no, you know what? It is a buyer's market. I, I take that back. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go back to sleep. Okay. No, because the inventory is starting to actually. Not, I don't want to say pile up, but it's yeah, start it's picking up. It's in favor of the buyers now. Where before it was like a disaster. It was exactly. like one home and a thousand buyers mm-hmm. and price bidding wars and the whole nine yards. And what I'm seeing a lot too is a lot of people are still overpricing their properties in a sense. So yeah. there's a lot of properties that are sitting out there that are higher priced than they should be because um, they see how the market was last year and the year before, thinking it's still the same way, but it's definitely not. And uh, sellers are starting to realize that. Is there fear in some of your sellers? A little panic that they might have missed. Everyone wants to know they got the best of the best timing. Done when they buy or sell anything, right? Do they feel like they might have missed a little bit of a boat? It's tough because in Chicago, especially when the weather's like this, you really don't have much of a choice of when to list. If we're in California and it's nice 24-7, 365 days a year, then that's one thing. But since it's really only nice, what, six months of the year out here? Six weeks. Six weeks of the year out here. (laughs) Sellers really do have a pretty abridged chance to get that top price. Um, So I wouldn't say panic, but at the same time, they are asking a lot of questions, which they should be. Um, You know, why aren't there as many showing requests? Where are all the buyers? Um, and that's when I have to kind of explain, you know, the market's going to start to pick up. There's no question. Now that it's starting to get warmer and people are going to go outside more, it's going to start picking up. But um, but till then, yeah, I am calming a lot of fears right now with sellers. I want to add from my um, perspective, I think it's a little different from yours, and it may just be inventory type. Um, so I want to kind of just make that separation. And I feel like the multi-unit category is still very active, and we're seeing a lot of bidding wars in that. I mean, it's been really hard. There isn't a ton of inventory. Um, with respect to condos, I've also see- seen it upbeat as well for getting into bidding wars with those. The single-family category has definitely been sluggish, and I think that because of the seasonal and school 
Yeah. Um, and people are starting to shop that. All the moms start like February. But for sure, the multi-unit, it's like really hard to find something. So if you're thinking about selling a multi-unit this summer, I, I definitely encourage you to bring it on the market because you are going to have a short time on the market and you are going to get multiple offers if, in fact, you price it correctly. Me, what do you see? Sorry, I was going to say, can I speak to that as well? Yeah. So I'm, I don't really focus on multi-units, so I'm really glad you said that too. And if you think about it, and if you think of new construction especially, no one's making more multi-units nowadays. There's only just a kind of certain amount of them in the first place. So I think that has a lot to do with it too. Um, but yeah, in terms of single family homes, I do think it's uh, been a sluggish market for them. Yeah, I think that the multi-unit has carried out throughout the entire year. Is that whole like rich dad, poor dad, buying a, an active asset versus a passive one. And I think a lot of people after the increase of property taxes, they were trying to figure out ways to be able to afford and buy property versus stay on the sidelines and not take advantage of the rates. Uh, what is your take on the rates, uh, Nick? Are we expecting any increases? No. I mean, <clears throat> a lot of talk about that maybe they should raise them a quarter, keep them where they are. Um, I think we're going to be pretty mellow for the for the whole summer, to be honest with you. I don't see them, I don't see them going up. As far as affordability, I do love, and I always want to encourage everybody to ask Joel about uh, your credit with respects to buying mm-hmm. property. I, uh, you're very giving. I'm still considering uh, that uh, Tiffany gift bag. I mean, I want to know what's <laughs> in there, but more importantly, can you tell our audience about your credits? So as a lender, there's a lot of options. And what I decided to do years ago was actually come from a point of giving. And last year, I gave over $271,000 of my commissions back to buyers. So I do a $1,500 closing cost credit. And it's going to be the same rate if you call any of the banks. I'll get the same rate, but I'm giving part of my commission back. So on a transaction, when oftentimes, the only thing they look for is just what are the rates? But a lot of it has to do with what are the total fees? And when you can teach and educate a buyer, you're going to have them for life. Love it. Completely true. Do you find that to be true, Danny? In terms of the closing cost credits, I mean, Joel especially, and I've done many deals with him before, um, he takes amazing care of his clients. And the customer service sometimes you know, doesn't even compare to what the rates are. And I think a lot of buyers have to realize that. Rates might be great, but if you can't close, what is the point? So Joel, and my experience, has done some amazing work in terms of closing. Speaking of not being able to close a deal, what are, you, what are some of the hardships or transactional hardships that you're seeing uh, in the marketplace now? Um, you know, I have seen a lot more deals blow up because of inspections more than ever. Amen. Really? Yeah. I mean, seriously, really? what's Left going and right. on? And I can feel I tell like you? Gone down. No, it's happening with the sellers as well as the buyers. I think <laughs> that when you're in that bidding war, just... <clears throat> I had a seller just like say, you know what? I changed my mind. We're going to go with the backup buyer just really? because yeah. my client wanted to do an inspection on Mother's Day. And I was like, well, I'm not trying to work on Mother's Day, but if my client wants to be there. And she literally called and said, we have changed our mind. And then another buyer decided that they wanted a bigger credit for repairs. And it's just like, I don't know where to start. What are, yeah. you, what are you seeing? So, yeah, same type of deal. Um, I think a lot of it also, and I'm going to go straight back to it again, is the weather. I mean, maybe we had an inspection on a terribly rainy day and that has <laughs> something to do with it. But overall, I mean, I think um, I think that buyers are getting a little bit skittish because they do see that there are other options out there. They do see that the market is starting to pick up in terms of the amount of listings that are coming out, like Nick said. Um, but overall, I think that, um, you know, especially first-time home buyers, it's tough to sit through an inspection. And I always prepare them. I always say, you know, no matter what, the inspector is going to find issues. If it's a $100 million home, if it's a $150,000 home, no matter what, it's their job to find issues. Um, but sometimes that just doesn't even matter. And, and I, I love that you raised that topic because later on in the show, we're going to have Stuart and he's an attorney. He's going to walk us through that uh, um, attorney review inspection process. But it does get really, really just 
difficult because I think there's been well there, I don't think there has been some changes to the multi unit uh, to the multi board contract mm-hmm. and there's certain things that we can and cannot ask for nowadays <clears throat> during attorney review so I know that there was some slick realtors that used to go ahead and inflate their uh, um, biddings or like their offers initially and then they would adjust it or retrade during attorney review hmm. so I love that that's put in effect because now as listing agents you don't waste your time taking like the higher offer over the more competitive offer for someone who's going to then retrade you during inspection for sure and then with uh, 7.0, to your point, it's great that they took off tax prorations as well. That's something that usually holds up deals sometimes during negotiations. So now attorneys, as I'm sure your attorney will talk about later, are dealing with tax prorations. And especially in Chicago with our taxes in general, it's great to have someone else professional work on that. Can you expand on that as far as what are tax prorations? Yeah, so tax prorations in Chicago, you're paying your taxes in arrears. So in 2018, we're paying 2017 taxes. So because of that, we don't know what this year's taxes are going to be. So at closing, you prorate your taxes to basically guess what the taxes are going to be for this year. Um, in Chicago, especially, taxes have dramatically increased. So a lot of times, uh, the number used to be 105% of the tax proration is what this year's taxes are going to be. But now it's you'll see a lot more of 110%, 115%, even 120% in some cases, too. So because we have that blank space, we don't know exactly what the taxes are going to be for this year. A lot of times, mm-hmm. deals can be held up by people bickering mm-hmm. over 105 and 110%. So in the new 7.0 contract, they took that out and they let the attorney deal with that, which is ideal uh, for me at least because you know it's something that I think attorneys should be dealing with in the first place. Love it. And while we're discussing tax probations, I want to go uh, and ask Joel, Joel, what are, how do you break into or how do you use tax probations to lower the amount of the, amu- of the amount of down payment that a person needs to bring at closing? Well, at closing, when he talks about it, it is a year in arrears. So when you actually close and let's say you don't escrow for your property taxes, the taxes are still coming due. So the seller owes you for that dollar amount. And so oftentimes I literally have a client that's maybe only putting 5% down and they've already put the 5% for earnest money. So at the closing table, when they're actually closing, they're getting cash back. Hmm. So these are the types of things that if you actually can slow down, teach the buyers that you don't need to have a ton of cash to buy your first place, it can get somebody who was renting and get them into their first place very often for the same price that they're paying in rent. Love it. Great advice. Um, do you concur with that, Mr. Mamedi? I do. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen you like this. I kind of like it. It's kind of weird. <laughs> this is what you always wanted. It's, yeah, better than you picking on me. I don't know. Are you boycotting Carla? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not picking on you, but I did want to get oh. to something about 10 minutes ago, but tell us. Oh. Carla took the mic away for an hour. <laughs> you mentioned something earlier about, and it's a little bit off topic, but it was on topic when I actually thought of it, but I don't want to let it go to the wayside before you take off. Sure. Um, you mentioned something about the Uberization or, or the feeling of the Uberization of real estate, and then you, about five minutes after that, you got into the fact that buyers sometimes can get a little skittish or a little bit more skittish than usual. Sure. Um, do you feel that, and, and maybe this is just a question I like to ask a lot of people, do you feel that all this access to technology, and you know, they say knowledge is power, however, you know, I feel like too much knowledge could be also detrimental to a process. And I feel like buyers think they know a lot about what they're doing because they have access to so much now. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think they're shooting themselves. We talked about blown inspections left and right. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are they reading? 
I know that Joe is hearing what I'm hearing, and they, and they instantly a buyer calls you, and they, I already know that the average uh, closing cost is three and a half percent. I'm like, oh, do you? Great, because <laughs> it's like you just took something that we weren't even going to do, yeah. and you gave me some faulty average because you're you're a Google King now. Yeah. yeah. So tell me, like, wh- how do you combat that number one, and do you see that becoming a bigger and bigger problem moving forward? You know, it's not a terrible thing um, that people have access to more information than ever. I mean, as a consumer, I think they should. I think that's great. Right. But what happens is what you were just saying is sometimes they get that knowledge and they feel like they know everything at that point. And as someone who deals with real estate 24 seven, as I'm sure Carla could tell you too, there are so many things that they don't look at in between the lines that they need someone to point out. Um, but overall, I would say that, um, that in general, it is good to have an educated consumer. Um, but they still have to be open to listening to advice and, and picking you know other things up that other people wouldn't think about as well. Yeah, I mean, that's the key. Because I think Denzel Washington once explained it best when it came to the media. He said something about, like, you need them because they're important. They keep us informed. But also be careful of what you're listening to and what you're processing as information. Exactly. And I feel like they need to take that advice. It's like, it's okay to jump on Zillow or Redfin or some of these other websites and figure out what a property might be worth. Yeah. But know that sometimes you could be completely off and that's just one small example. And then reading blogs and forums and you know uh all these different forums to go into about how, the process of buying and you know I had a client the other day who was almost set to close and they're like can I ro- are my closing costs being financed and I was like <laughs> Where did, where did this come from? And the way she said it, though, was like from a program from like 2004. Yeah. I'm like, where do you get this information from? And like, oh, Those are good things that everyone wants to do. It came up in the ninth inning. Yeah. Sure. Why didn't you ask me that? Like, they won during the process the last three weeks. You know, we're going to closing. Are my closing costs being financed? And I'm just like, okay. Where did you read this? Who did you get this from? And you know, it's just. It's I think a perfect example of what you're talking <laughs> about in general, and I'm sure you guys have had uh, topics about this as well, are like the Redfin home estimates or the Zestimates. Right. The Zestimates, see, right? You know, in general, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this too. I just had a seller recently who I gave a, a CMA for, um, and the place we're going to sell for six ninety five. Her Redfin estimate was seven ninety five or something crazy high. And you also have to think about the motivations behind that. So why would Redfin do that? Um, the reason is, is because they want you to reach out to them and they want you to say, okay, um, wow. sell my home. And, right. you know, eventually drop the price 50 times until I'm at the price I should be at. Bait and um, switch. So, yeah, uh, you have to think about, you know, you do get a lot of information from these websites, but you also have to think about why you get this information. What are they trying to get out of you? What's their motivation? And most of the time is to list with them. I, sorry. Danny, as somebody who's listening here, before we let you go, tell them some of the things that you should, they should be doing to select an agent. Yeah. So it's all about the questions that you ask, obviously. Um, number one, you want someone who's responsive. The topic of this show, for example, um, I've always found that if, you know, uh, a customer reaches out and they don't hear back directly, they're going to reach out to the next realtor. So that's my motivation to get back to them as quickly as possible. Um, the second thing is you want to look at the numbers. You want to look at comps. You want to see what other units have sold for in the area or in the building. It's obviously something you want to know. But the most important thing you want to know is how are you going to market this property besides just putting it on the MLS? Are you just going to list it or are you going to sell it? And that's another important thing, too, that I think you should always ask your realtors is a history of their listings and how they sell their properties as well. Danny's being very modest. He's really done this and at a high level and before we go tell everyone two things where they can reach you and literally we say wherever it is if it's phone number etc so sure. tell people that are listening where they
they can reach you? So you can check out my website at lewischicagorealestate.com um, or call me at 773-988-9092 or just find me on Zillow. If you look up Danny Lewis, you'll see my reviews, see what other buyers and sellers have said about working with me and uh, just reach out with any questions. Do not look him up on the IMDB. He is not Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> I'm not. He's just Danny Lewis. <laughs> I'm not, unfortunately. I was kind of confused. I was wondering about that. <laughs> so it's a pleasure to have you here. And Thank you guys so much for having me. Such a pleasure. <laughs> you started it. See, you lowered the vibe. It's my effect. It's what I do. It's what I you do. What you come in the room and you just make everybody just can't speak. Joel, <laughs> what do you got planned this weekend? What do we have coming up? So we always work on open houses. One of the big things that agents can do is whether they are doing their own open houses or they can sit on another open house. I'm always teaching real estate agents how they can grow their business. So if you're out and you're not doing an open house over the weekend, go. Make sure that you find an open house that you can uh, sit in on or make sure that you're doing them. Nobody's too big to do their own open houses. Uh, take it from me, Joel's job. Love it. Thanks <laughs> a lot, guys. Me. He, he, just called him, he just named himself. Yeah. You don't take like that me, he's speaking third, uh, you speak in third person all the time, don't you? No. No? No. <laughs> Not at all. I love how you're always giving no. him that. But I, but I liked it. But listen, so we were I'm talking start. about... No, stop it. Okay. We were, I, so Danny was talking about like customer service and the three things that a realtor should be able to provide a client. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about these third-party websites, but that whole like discount brokerage, right? I don't know if you feel comfortable having this conversation, but like no. when people come to you and ask you like why your fees are higher than other companies um, that are just going to put in like a for sale sign on the on the property. What is your what are your what's your take on that? What do you recommend? I mean, are you asking me from a real estate agent's perspective? Yeah, I know that I hate putting you into you, that. You sometimes forget that <laughs> I'm a do. loan officer. I know because you grew up in the in this world. Your mom is a I mean, I think, I think at the end, of, I think at the end of the day, there's always. There's never a case of free money. I've been taught that since I was a kid. Like you're paying some way, one way or another. Um, there's always some fine print. Some some of these discount brokerages have other stories to tell you. In order for them to sell it this way, you have to be. They have to also have, be the buyer's agent on your next transaction. Uh, there's a minimum purchase price amount that has to happen here. Um, there's always something going on. Some areas don't even have this. So I know there's a famous one going on right now for like we'll sell your house for one percent. Well, when you get into that and you look at the, where they do and don't sell houses for one percent, that's exactly ninety five percent of the country is not on that list. So it's a great marketing campaign. It works. But I think that, um, you know, if it is that much cheaper, most likely it goes to the age old saying of you get what you pay for. Exactly. I actually did have an attorney who Mm -hmm. was trying to, who used these uh, services because he's like, I negotiate for a living. But real estate is so complicated. And it's not just that you get what you pay for, but it's so that your expectations level, right? So people just make an assumption that real estate is very transactional. But just speaking earlier with Danny, the hardships that are going on with respect to the transaction, right? You put a property in the market, you have multiple bids, then you have to find the right buyer, not the highest offer sometimes. It may be just the right buyer with the best uh, financing product the mm-hmm. best loan terms, uh, maybe give you more time to move out of the property, secure the next asset, or just having someone that can negotiate on your behalf and be able to still maintain the backup buyers without losing that you know, that buyer pool. Um, so there's so many things that happen, and it all depends on what the specific need of that clients are. And I don't think it goes back to just how much money they're going to sell. And I think more importantly now in this market where I am seeing premium and I am seeing that prices are up and despite what you guys think about buyers or sellers market, I still feel that it's a seller's market. Um, there's no reason why buy- a seller shouldn't just use this as you know the cost of doing business. I think it's a I mean, more fair game of tug of war. It, well, was, it was a very seller's market. 
I just feel like I don't know. Wait, like I think we it's getting mostly a little bit lost more a lot of buyer. deals, and I I'm like buyer. I'm usually listing heavy. Like this this uh, this market, I'm all like buyer heavy, and I feel like our buyers are just having a really hard time finding property. I guess because we're looking for turnkey product as well. So it, again, it just all depends on what markets you're servicing or what where you are selling. So speak to a realtor about that. But I'm gonna agree with Danny. It's a buyer's market. Best Jesus it's been in a long time. That's it. We're moving on. But what I'm saying is like if you're gonna see a premium in the sale of your home, then you shouldn't worry about the net proceeds. You should worry about the service and the experience and the transaction rather than looking for a discount brokerage. That was just We should have a whole show about okay. discount brokerages, Zillow and Redfin specifically. Right, Let's just do that show All another right. day. Cool? Yes. All right. Boss. We did it five, five years ago. Great topic. New things. Let's back. just go back to it. You want to introduce our guest, please? No, you go ahead. No, you ladies first. <laughs> See what happens when he doesn't get a business card? He, he sends it back to me. Did you not give him a business card? He's a White Sox fan. I can tell he you He actually gave me his whole bio. It's like two pages of well, it. Well, rip it through. Let's go. I'm an old man. Stewart is the firm's senior partner. Prior to... Perf- is this how you want me to do it? No. I don't care how you do it. Introduce uh, the hello, gentleman. Hello, Stewart. How are you? I'm, I'm great. And thank you for having me. I really enjoy this and have enjoyed the first half of the program. Did so. you really? Who's your favorite? host oh, well <laughs> i'm a married man so i could get in real oh, trouble my man. <laughs> you lose again carla you lose again wow i have a whole set of like people here and no one has my back okay i see what how, well Stuart, i'm gonna be really really harsh on you tonight so tell us um i get that at home too so okay so you know how to handle the wrath of a woman so I didn't get Stuart's bio, because oh, I think sorry. you started to read it. But let's, Stuart, give us a little bit of history, background yeah, on yourself. I, uh, I've been practicing law for 43 years. I'm, a, I'm born in Chicago, raised in Chicago. I am a Southsider originally, live in Buffalo Grove now. Uh, my firm is a woman-owned firm. My partner is actually the managing partner, and I'm the senior partner of Kessler & Kiernan. We do strictly real estate, and I've been doing real estate only for about the last 15 years of my practice. I was a litigator for... Oh, cool. 20 years and didn't like the fighting part of it. So, I mean, there's, there's still some fighting in real estate, though. Yeah, there is in negotiation. Yeah, kind of brings back the old juices once in a while when well, you get to do some of that. Well, we fight for our clients. There That's you go. where the fighting is. So, I think Carla just left us. Yeah. <laughs> so why leave litigation to go into real estate? Just because of the fighting specifically? It was, or was, it was it a lot of the, the, you know, the stress level and, and, yeah. and the trials and that and, and the nastiness of the litigation part of the practice. And I'm a people person. Yeah. And I, I love going to the closing table. And I love dealing with the agents and the lenders. It's just what I, what I like to do. What are some, from, from a legal perspective, what are some of the new trends you're seeing, seeing on a more normal basis that you have to deal with on the, on the backside? Obviously, contracts are changing. Um, pro, well, you mentioned prorations today are changing. From the representation side, one of the things that, it's, it's not really scary, but we don't like to do in our office is a lot of the law offices are using their paralegals to access. I never talk to attorneys. Yeah. I just get emails from paralegals all day long. Right. Yeah. And, and with us, we have four attorneys, so it's always the lawyers that are doing the, the legal part of it. Uh, I think the inspection thing has just become huge. I'm yeah. glad you guys touched on it in the first half of the program. Um, the 7.0 contract changed everything. What? Okay. Pre-7.0, what percentage of files do you think would fall out Due to inspection, one out of every ten, two out of every ten, and then post seven. Oh, I want to know that new number. 
it's probably was one out of every ten, and now it's probably two out of every ten. It's probably wow. doubled, uh, partially because you have a lot of, of buyers that really don't get the fact that they can't raise everything that they used to be able to raise. Right. They can't raise things like the handrail to the basement was loose or the paint is chipped. Those things are out under the new contract form, and we explain that to our buyers up front. Well, you know what absolutely ticks me off, and I'm going to sit from the outside because you're an agent, and you, I'm sure you've had clients do this to you, but I've watched it from afar where the buyers were going into the marketplace and bidding to win a bid, and they're like, well, we'll just give them whatever they want, but we're going to come back and beluger them on inspection. It's like, you still try that trick? I mean, it's it's believe it or not, a lot of them have that pre-planned in the entire process. We educate our buyers up front. If we're going to represent a buyer, we tell them, here's what the new contract says you can raise. You know, you run the risk of the seller walking away from the deal immediately if you raise some of the things you used to be able to raise. And it's not that we don't want you to get a nice house, but you're not getting a new house. And a free house. Right. And and, and then the problem rears its head again sometimes when they do the walkthrough. Yeah. And it hasn't been explained to them that a walkthrough is only to confirm that the things that they saw on the inspection were repaired and that the house is in the same shape. Yeah, I had a family member recently had a house under contract in four days he's listing it and you know the house needs some updating but it was you're buying it for the way it is it's not like if this house was fully renovated and brand new it'd have a totally different price and then here comes the inspector like oh this is worn and that needs to be replaced it's like we we weren't hiding any of that I'm not the seller, but I'm, I say we because he's my family member. Right. But it's like that wasn't being hidden. If we wanted to change certain things, they would have already been done before listing. This is what it is. And literally, they were asking for some ridiculous amount of money. It was like, what were you expecting? A brand new house to this capacity, to this this square footage would have been $100,000 more. Well, people want new air conditioners and new heaters, and the contract form specifically says just because something's at the end of its useful life... Doesn't mean it's broken. Doesn't mean it's broken. Right. And so, in order to raise anything now, it's got to be a health and safety hazard. Right. So. Right. And I, Stuart, you mentioned that things like chipping paint and handrails, those are safety hazards. And it, as I understand it, Nick, for an FHA loan product, those are some of the things that an inspector or appraiser is going to raise. So how do we negotiate that? Well, FHA is different. When we send out our attorney review letter, att- attorneys have five business days to send in the inspection letter and an attorney review letter. We do it as two separate letters attached to the same email, but in the attorney review letter, uh, we or in the inspection letter, actually, we add a clause for the buyers if it's an FHA loan that says the seller will agree to pay for anything that the FHA requires to be repaired. Ooh. I love it. So it definitely so protects we add it the in buyer. There. They slide that one in there. Yeah, I love... <laughs> I love that you say that because it does get very complicated when you have to negotiate those things on behalf of the buyer. And sometimes you have to explain to clients nowadays that it used to be that when you're buying something in as-is condition, you can go ahead and do a home inspection, but it's only to give you a to-do list of the items that you would have to correct post-closing. But then people want you to correct those during negotiations. But nowadays, we have to make sure that they understand that the credit is being given at the with the price that you're buying the property. So you can reflect that and, like you said, retrade it because sellers just want to know that once you're under contract, you're under contract and the price or net sales price is not going to be retraded. And I think that's where the disconnect is in this buyer market. 
Well, we don't always know what the FHA what the FHA is going to require. It varies from deal to deal, so that's our catch-all paragraph that protects the buyer completely. Ooh, I always got my you're fingers. Very good. I, I always see. got my fingers. So now you're crossed. throwing all the repairs into it's a FHA, but is, doesn't FHA have a guideline or a? Can list you say of- FHA one more time for me, please? Wait, what did I say? FHA. FHA. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I can't talk. It's past what time? Wait, what are we doing I need, here? I need to eat. F H. I hate you a. right now. Say it fast I, how do you say I H A T E U? Anyway, so FHA, Nick, Nick, is there a list of items that you can go back and tell Stuart that we can negotiate because it's just what chipping paint, loose hanging wires. Well, there's a no. There's a lot of well, things that can come up on FHA deals. That Stuart, are, you're going to be my next attorney because I like it. So the answer we usually get from the seller is, let's keep that that line open until we find out what the FHA repairs are, and then we'll decide whether we're going to agree to to repair those things or not. And so we can extend the time period for certain things. But generally, with this new contract form now with the 7.0, if we give a list of stuff that isn't, let's assume it's a non-FHA loan. Did I say that right? FHA loan. If it's just a regular conventional loan. He only messes with the foreigner with the Don't worry. If it's just a conventional loan, and we list stuff that, that isn't allowed under the new contract form, the seller can just say, buy, without negotiating. And if there's somebody waiting there with a backup cash offer, they're going to say, buy. Yeah. And that's you know? what happened to me. I was surprised. I've never had a seller kill a deal, ever. And this seller Except was- for this Mother's Day. <laughs> That's yes. an awesome story. That's terrible. Wait, that was my mother's day gift to me. Thanks for the gift you sent me, by the way. You I welcome. loved it. It was Did beautiful. You? Great. Thank you. I spent a lot on it. Yeah. But I, I do want everybody to understand that the role of the attorney is not to kill the deal. The, you know, That's what the inspectors say. The, the role of the inspector is not to kill the deal. They right? all and kill the deal. And it's usually an attorney at the end that makes yes. something <laughs> bad happen. I'm sorry, Stuart. We're not here to throw you on the bus. It's no. just the truth. It is so true. You know, if, if, if I... <laughs> like being, the emoji. We're totally bullying the guy. We're so sorry. I'm fine. He's like, I don't care. I'm used to it. But if, if, if we represent a seller and we get a letter that has all the things that aren't supposed to be on there, my, the, what I would do and what I've done is to call the attorney and to say, do you do real estate on a regular basis and I don't mean it as an insulting thing oh those are like st- like fighting words you know, that's how you start no, a match well, that I, is an insulting but I'll say the 7.0 contract really doesn't allow you to do that have you talked to yourself your, your buyer and, and educated them that they run the risk of my seller maybe walking away. I'm not saying they're going to, but I don't want to kill this deal. I want to see it go. I don't get paid unless it closes. Right. You know, the, the agents don't get paid unless it closes. You know, so our job's to hold it together. And at the end of the day, right, it's so hard to find something now because there isn't a lot of inventory. I'm going to stick to that story. But once we find something, we just have to work through everything so it's mutually benef- beneficial for everyone. <laughs> I can't speak today. But we do, though. And I feel like sometimes when it gets in the hands of attorneys, you guys, I mean, the attorneys are usually really cold. There's like really no conversation. I feel like it's all email. And then the language is so harsh that people just misinterpret things. Well, I'm I'm old school, as you might be able to tell. I'm a little bit older. No, so 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 I'm old school, and and I I use the phone probably more than I should. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of emails because I use I'll follow up a conversation with an email. I'm not a huge fan of it because the emotion's taken out of what you're saying, and yeah. and so and it can be misinterpreted. I'd rather get on a phone. And you're on the record. I don't mind. <laughs> 
But our office rule is if it's not in writing, it didn't happen. Right, exactly. So it's so, got to be on so the record. So that's why he's making all sorts of phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> I love your style, We love your style. But seriously, um, what is like one piece of advice that you can give, give our buyers or sellers with respect to transacting in this market? Oh, first of all, get an attorney. Because don't forget that. Duh. A co- well, but don't, well, but you'd be surprised. A, a contract's a legal document. Yeah. And 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 get not just get an attorney. Get an attorney whose concentrated area is real estate. I wouldn't know oh, how to yeah. try a criminal oh, case. Oh my God, you're so right about that. You know why? You have experience. Oh, dude, have you ever dealt with the family attorney <laughs> on a real estate deal? This is an absolute nightmare. What's like wrong with a the guy that's attorney? never done a real estate transaction, but he's the one that they go to for everything from parking tickets to like a criminal case. And you're like, now you're going to handle the real. All right, this is awesome. But the other piece is is to remember that the the lawyer, the agent, the lender, they are a team. They're not working against each other. We're supposed to all be working together to put the deal together, seller or buyer. Um, I just, you know, we we you know, lawyers should be communicating and copying everybody on their communication with their client. Uh, at least as far as the the agent is concerned, so that the agent's not negotiating one repair item and we haven't been told that they've agreed on a credit or vice versa. They need to see what's going on. There's got to be transparency in the deal. For sure. I think that I'm guilty for that. I mean, I'm always like very type A, so I oversee the negotiations once we know what the... So we'll bring in the buyer and conference the buyer with the attorney so we're all on the same page about what items from the inspection we want to have corrected. Um, And then we don't usually ask for credits unless the sellers are saying they're not going to correct those items. But then... After that, then I bring in the other agent and let them know, by the way, this is what we're sending, just because right. we want to move the file along, right? We don't want to sit through, like, let's have the, the attorneys draft the letter and send the letter. So I think it just moves everything, uh, makes everything a little bit more smoother. Now, the one thing that is not allowed anymore under the new contract, unless the seller specifically requests it. We can't send the inspection report to the I seller know, anymore. I know, that's crazy, and that's insane. Well, it, but, but the reason behind that is, is once the seller knows about well, a, they have a problem, they have to disclose it. they're going to have to disclose it to the next buyer if, they have to, if the first deal falls out. And that's so, exactly what I said. Now you know that there's material defects with the electrical panel, so you're right. going to have to de- disclose it. So whether right. you give my client a credit or not, now you're still going to have to give it to the next buyer, because unless the next buyer says, okay, we love the price and we love the property, we'll take it. But why kill a deal because we brought this? And, you know, a lot of agents are saying, well, you got a closing cost credit. So why are you asking for additional credits? And we're like, well, that was the negotiated price. Right. We hired a third-party person to come and assess the, qual- the need of the condition of the property. So this is what we discover. So we want these corrected. Mike, you know, you can't see electricity or know what's mm-hmm. going on when you're doing an inspection. Well, I think part of the, the other thing is when we're dealing with these deals is the parties need to realize that this is not supposed to be an adversarial proceeding. Oh. It, it does get emotional. So I can't get you, you got. We try to remember that the buyer is spending more money than they've ever spent in their life usually. Right. And the seller very often is selling the house that they raise their children in. So we try to, you know, it gets emotional for them. <laughs> Look at Nick, he's like, it, yeah, it, no. <laughs> it, it does get emotional for sellers to, to, to move out of a house. But we were taught to take the emotions out of the transactions. So. That's, what, that's what we're trying to do. Is to, that, that's part of our job is to, to, you know, cool it a little bit. Yeah, so. be cool. And I loved our partners at Trust One for bringing you here and introducing us to, uh, introducing you to us.
Thank you. Keep it together. I swear we're going to end this the right way, Nick. <laughs> uh, but before we go, can you let us know what is the um, the role of a, a, a title company for uh, for attorneys? That well, makes t- sense. <laughs> if, when we're the seller's when we're the seller's attorney, we order title from the title company. They go. present us with the entire history of the property, who had the prior deeds, and whether there are any liens on the property, whether there are taxes owed on the property. And and it, it's it's informational for us, but they the the closings in Illinois are actually conducted at the title companies or with a a person from the title company at the closing, who on a loan deal basically represents the bank because they're checking through making sure that all the papers are signed properly for the bank, but in the end of it all, they're the ones who write and give the title policy to the buyer. Seller pays for it, but the but the, but the but the title company actually issues the policy. They're an insurance company. Yeah, and I love so. that you say that. And the reason why I asked that strategically was so that we could educate our consumers' IQ with respects to the the process of buying a property or selling a property. There's a lot of checks and balances when it comes to buying property or selling right. property. Um, so, like, if somebody makes a mistake with assessing value, right? There's always going to be the appraiser who's going to come mm. back and say, right. "No, this is today's fair market value for such pro- said property." Uh, a violation is going to be discovered through the title company, or if there are any liens or any IRS liens or what have you. So, property is never going to transfer from one person's hands to the other without there being other people to c- confirm that the information is correct. Yeah, they're actually a, a double check for us too. I mean, as a buyer, let's say we're the buyer's attorney and the seller's attorney has prepared the deed as they do in Illinois. We got to go through the legal description and make sure it's right. But the title company is also checking that to make sure it's correct. So, thank you for the information, Stuart. I love it, and I know that Nick, you have a an attorney that works for you all the time because you're always getting yourself in trouble. Yes. Yeah. A fleet of them. <laughs> 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 Mamedi Law Group. No, so I'm just kidding. Today's episode, we're going to agree to disagree that you're saying it's a seller's market. You're saying it's a buyer's market. And I'm saying it's a seller. Uh, I think it's. I think it's. It's definitely both. Finally, in a little bit more favor, a little bit more favor than it used to be for the buyer. And you're working with a lot of buyers too, right? And a lot. Yeah. Are you guys doing a lot of refinances? Well, yeah, and the rates dipped, so the last couple of months have been nice with that. But I mean, it is that time of year, and it's busier and buyers are out there um and i feel like they do have a little bit more leverage on their hand mr lewis said it the, the right way he did didn't he? I, I actually try to catch him off guard and say what are you and but i was completely like <laughs> lost in space yeah that's so Stuart, thank you for coming through can i give my contact of course we were just about to say <laughs> Stuart. we were just about to say thank you for coming through uh, thank tell you. us all how we can get a hold of you your, uh, yeah. your contact info my uh, my my uh, office phone is 847-818-9933 i'm also old school so i give my cell phone number out it's 847-668-2564 and our web page is www.kesslerkiernan.com and that's k e s s l e r k e i r n a n and um and we're available 24-7. Stuff happens in real estate on the weekends and the evenings, and we're available. I'm going to call you at 4 a.m. I love that. It's fine. Call him. such a terrible job. I'm going to call him before. I'm going to call Stuart Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> 4 a.m. I got a problem. <laughs> he would, too, so don't do don't that. Do it. You wouldn't <laughs> do be not the first challenge one. Nick. You, you wouldn't be the first one. Buyers get cold feet on the weekends and the evenings. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't call me at 4 o'clock in the morning. Not for bad news. Yep. But, see, we're doing such a terrible job. We have our 
guests uh, asking their own questions. So my contact information. Uh, is- no, sorry. I was about to. I was like literally. You know, I was about to. No, I know. Say, How do we get a hold of you? You know, but I'm was, sorry, but thank you. But it's, it's great good. to be back, and this is amazing. It's cool to sit in the uh, host seat again with uh, my co. The what seat? The host co-host seat. The uh-huh. mm. <laughs> oh. And this episode and every episode of Market Overdrive will be cataloged and filed away where you can find it show after show on our YouTube page, our website, marketoverdrive.com, Facebook forward slash Market Overdrive. Uh, I think we can even find us on Twitter at Market Overdrive and, of course, Instagram where you can check out these cool stories during the show every Thursday at 530. Well, not every Thursday, just Thursdays when Carla feels like doing the show, then we do it. But we will be back again next week. See you then. 